know Your ass better call somebody Research and development Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need Last week we put liquid paper on a bee And it died Become best friends. Yep. Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry. I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back into another edition of the Just Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for tapping in. Thank you for hitting the button. First and foremost, if you want to catch everything that we're doing at Destination Devi, the easiest way, go down in the description of this episode and check out the newsletter. Make sure that you're signed up. There is so much good free content on there, as well as all the links to everything that we're doing here at Destination Devi. But without further ado, let me introduce my co-host, the man you came to see, Adam. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing very well, Mike. Uh, we're doing 4D chess again another week. Feels like we've been doing this for our whole lives, even though it's not even been a full calendar year. But today I'm extremely excited because, Mike, would you mind revealing the man behind the curtain to the Dynasty Degenerates? Oh, let's pull this baby back. We got one of our good friends, a good friend of the show, a good friend of Destination Devi and everything that Adam and I do on Destination Devi with our Patreon. Doesn't matter. JB is just a good friend. So Jordan Backus director of analytics, head of analytics, whatever the official title is, the analytics guy, as your title in our Discord, analytical shit. <laughs> analytical shit. How you doing, JB? I uh, I think I'm well first of all I'm doing really well, but I think you forgot the proper title and that is the AAF commander. So that is uh something <laughs> that uh, you guys appointed me the title of, so that that needs to be said as well. Yeah, our, oh, yes. our one quarterback, uh, our commander, and our captain. So for those of you who aren't in on the inside joke, uh, a long time ago, <laughs> back when uh, we used to, not not say butt heads, but we'd, we'd trade barbs at each other every time you'd have a, a trade question. It was always for a one QB league. It's always 10 teams. So I used to give JB a lot of shit. Adam used to give him a lot of shit as well about uh, what are these, AAF leagues? Alliance of American Football. These can't be NFL leagues, real leagues, but we do love the AAF questions. You give them to us all the time, and it's made us become better dynasty players because now we have to think about all the formats, different formats that we go in, even the ones Adam and I don't like. You know, I don't really think it's made you guys any better. It might have made you a little worse, but I appreciate the the help that you guys have given me. Um but yeah, I mean, I really can't change my friends, my uh, home league friends too much. So I will continue to be in one quarterback leagues and I will be the commander of that. So well, thank you guys. Well, you know, JB, uh, we're happy to help. And speaking of help, we need your help today because it's time to talk about the 23 and the 24 class at length. Get into what's happening in college, some of the landscape shifting and ultimately what we should be thinking in the future, whether you're contending or rebuilding, shouldn't matter. What these picks look like, what some of the players look like. Help us shape the future here uh, for the Dynasty Degenerates that are always wanting everything one step ahead. So this uh, this worked out perfect, right? I'm sitting around and I'm thinking like, hey, what are we going to do for the 4D Chess episode? And I'm thinking, you know, we are heading into week seven. A lot of people are realizing that this isn't the year for them. We've already done episodes on rebuilding. We've done some on contenders, but we need to give the people hope, right? You're sitting at one in five. <laughs> you've already started to rebuild. You've you've realized that 2022 isn't your year. So I wanted to talk about what do you have to look forward to? What's coming up in 2023? What's coming up in 2024? Let's get you a little bit more excited and get you back engaged. Maybe Sundays aren't going so well for you. Let's give you something to look for on Saturdays. And I'm thinking there about doing this episode and we just so happened to be answering and having a group chat with jb and i'm like oh you big dummy we got the guy to talk about college football the guy to talk about 2023 and 2024 sitting right here i'd be remiss if i didn't get him on the show so jb 
Thank you for agreeing to do this. Let's start it off. Let's look at 2023 right out the gates. And let's start with what most people play, non-AAF leagues, super flex leagues. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the quarterback stat, uh, standpoint. What are we looking at right now in the 2023 class as far as quarterbacks go, JB? What What's standing out to you? Who's smashing analytically? Who's a little bit concerning? Like, Who are some of your guys or, or some of the big risers or some of the big fallers in your mind? I mean, right now, obviously, you got Stroud and Young at the top. And then there's kind of a whole jumbled tier two. And you got guys like Hendon Hooker, um, Will, Le- Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, who is probably going to back for 2024, or rather for his 2023 season going into 24 draft class. Um, KJ Jefferson. And then I know a lot of guys like Cam Ward out of Washington State. So that whole second tier is really going to be draft capital dependent. And I'm sure one or two will get first round capital. It's just kind of wait and see who gets that, and then we kind of judge from there. But really the only two guys that I love out of this 23 class are C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. So, Adam, if we're looking at it then from our standpoint, what we always like to preach is value and kind of look ahead and what makes good draft classes. We we saw 2022 a little bit of rebound, but because of the skill position guys and Kenny Pickett getting named the starter, but it was a bad class because – we only had one quarterback going round one, and it wasn't even super premium draft capital, right? He got picked at 20, not the greatest. We're looking at it. JB, you're talking about two guys being in there, C.J. Stroud, one of them, Adam, you know from the Ohio State, and the other one, Bryce Young. We know he's the Heisman Trophy winner. If we're looking at this class already, and we know that we probably have two locked-in guys, Adam, from your standpoint, if we get a third or a fourth, what does that do for this whole class for you as far as, especially on the teams where you're hoarding draft capital, you have all these picks from a super flex standpoint. If we're going to get three, possibly four quarterbacks going around one, does this get you excited? Does it get you motivated for this class? Because this is what the super flex classes, the foundation is actually built on. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, dynasty degenerates, when you think about this too, like when you look back at 2022, right? What what happened was you might have had the the non-mainstream guys, the uh, the disruptors, Mike and myself, telling you that 22 is a value. And what were we saying? Quarterbacks were the reason. Teams are gonna have to take these quarterbacks in the first round. Egg on our face. They didn't. Kenny Pickett fell to Pittsburgh at 20, and no one else took one till round three. Then the narrative shift to 22 just sucks. Now, a lot of these later 22 picks, you, you can't buy for a late 23 pick today. The, the narrative was basically trade anything from 106 or later, 107 or later, just into 23. Just do that. That's a win for you. Turns out now maybe that wasn't the case, but the exciting part, getting back to Mike's question, the quarterbacks, right? Because you, you have two that are pretty much penciled in. Like, Something catastrophic would have to happen for Stroud and for Bryce Young not to be taken very highly in this coming up draft. So you have two. Now, Hendon Hooker had the great week versus Alabama, right? And he's starting to answer really nicely, but ultimately what do NFL teams think about him? We're not sure yet. But but if he let's say he became a first-round pick. And to Mike's point, let's say a four snuck in there. Now all of a sudden... The reason that's so exciting is a couple things. One, obviously, quarterback is the king in Superflex, right? And and when you think about the landscape of running back, right? Right right now, everybody's down on running back, and rightfully so. They're not doing shit for you outside of a few guys. So you think about it, quarterback's kind of getting to be the same thing. The landscape at quarterback's not all that great either, right? When when you When you look, Dak's currently hurt still. We don't know what he's going to do when he comes back from his hand injury. Joe Burrow's been very up and down. Kyler has not been great. I mean, you got Lamar's been unbelievable. The last three weeks, a little more down to earth. But Lamar, Hurts, Herbert, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Those are the surefire guys right now. Russell Wilson's disappointed. So we need quarterbacks, right? And when you think about it, that's what makes the quarterbacks exciting. But what it really does, too, to Mike's point, is the skill players get pushed down the board. What it basically makes is the first round, early seconds, all that much more valuable the more that quarterbacks are being drafted in the first round and relevant for your super flex drafts. I like that too. I mean, the NFL is also just thirsty for quarterbacks, right? We see 
bunch of nobodies, it seems, every week just playing quarterback. You get Skylar Thompson, you get Bailey Zappi, shit. Aaron Rodgers out there silent quitting on his team, and, and Jordan Love coming in for a couple series. Is, it, it just tells you about the quarterback position. Geno Smith's holding down the fort right now in Seattle, but we know that's not a long-term solution. The Saints look like an absolute mess. You got Jameis with the back. You got Andy Dalton maybe taking the job. Carson Wentz had a great week one and then is, you know, hurt again. You know, it's just, this is what we know. JB, I will ask you, looking at the, the quarterbacks at the top, right, you got the two guys. In your mind, do you think it's almost a lock that we see a third guy? Like, can we just pencil one in? It doesn't matter if it's Hendon Hooker or Will Levis or maybe Anthony Richardson. Do you think there's a third guy, a pretty clear one, that we can kind of pencil in as a, a first-round quarterback in the NFL draft? Um, Right now, probably. I, th- I think it's it's between, like you said, Levis and Hooker. I, I want to believe one of them at least will get round one capital. And just kind of a side note, going to the analytics side of everything here. So since the 2014 draft, there have been, and this is not including the 2022 draft because they don't have any fantasy finishes, but since 2020, 2014, um, 91 quarterbacks have been drafted, 28 of which have been first-round drafted quarterbacks. Same time frame, out of those 91 quarterbacks, only 10 have hit a top six season. Nine of those 10 have been drafted in the first round. So we keep talking about draft capital this, draft capital that. For quarterbacks, it's probably the most important single metric to look at. Even if you want to drop that down to a top 12 threshold, out of those 91 that have been drafted, 14 have been a top 12 quarterback only. And 11 of those 14 came in round one. So that that is the number one thing I'm looking at for quarterbacks. Um metric wise I guess I mean there's there's other stuff here and there with 40 times for obviously fantasy finishes for the rushing upside but draft capital it shows what the the franchise and the organization believes in that player that they're willing to spend that high of a price on that guy and they believe in him he's going to be their quarterback for a couple of years and probably going to finish pretty high for fantasy at least once or twice J- JB to, uh, to follow up on that so the top 12 you said 11 of 14 right Yep, are those yep. three seasons, are those all Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott? So two, well, the, of the other three, I believe the fourth round was Dak Prescott. Um, I would need to look if you give me yeah, one quick okay. second here. Okay. I can find the others. So round four was Dak. Round two was Jalen Hurts. And okay. then the other round two quarterback was Derek Carr. Okay. There it is. There you go. There it is. I think we we, we touched on a little bit. We're a big fan of uh, JB's work over here. Um, if you listen to anything that we've done, we've cited a lot of his work. When we did the uh, the Kenny Pickett, the the two Kennys, one draft show way back when, right? The One of the big selling points that we had on Kenny Pickett was your hit rate tables. And I came away with the same conclusion when looking at it. It's not so much about the talent. It's about the draft capital for the quarterback. And if they go in round yep. one, they matter for fantasy. If they don't go in round one, we can kind of write them off a little bit, right? We, we move on, right? We, we can have all this song and dance about the Malik Willis's of the world, but the stats, the analytics show that that's not a great bet to make, right? You're more likely to miss and get nobodies. My, my Sam Howell aside, I still believe in you, (laughs) Sam, but you're more than likely to get nothing. So that's the quarterback landscape. I feel pretty good about this class. If we we can almost just pencil in three locked-in guys and maybe we get a fourth. I I don't know if we get a fifth. I just don't think there's enough there, and we haven't seen anybody kind of come out of nowhere outside of Hendon Hooker to to really buoy the class. But we get three or four quarterbacks, I really start to pay attention to a class because it just makes everything that much greater. So let's move on to the next position in 23 that I wanted to talk about, and it's the gem of the class, the running back position. Now, JB, you're a Texas guy. You love Texas Longhorns. You root for them all the time. I have to hear it constantly. The locked-in 101 of the class, it feels like forever. Bijan Robinson. But after Bijan Robinson, we, we you can sing his praises if you want, man. You're a guest on the show, go for it. But after Bijan, 
what else are we looking at as possible running backs who are going to get that premium draft capital? Now it's the NFL is changing, so it's not necessarily round one draft capital, though we may see some teams do stupid stuff and still spend first round picks on running backs. But I'm really looking at those those round two guys or those early day three. What else does this class have to offer in that aspect? So in regards to Bijan, I won't take up too much of everyone's time here, but I did take him number one overall in the Cornerstone mock draft that we just had. So Cornerstone is looking at the 2022, 2023, and 2024 classes all together in one big draft. And I took him number one overall. And I I mean, he's right now he's the, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of between him and Brees Hall right now. Well, I was just going to say, I took yeah, Brees Hall yeah. at two. Um, yeah. And my, Mike's here. So, real quickly, like, do do we believe that Bijan is still more valuable than Brees today? Is I guess the question I still have for you, JB. Not saying your pick was wrong or right, just asking for you. No. Um, so, I know when I when I made the pick, uh, our guy Dynasty Barry kind of asked me, oh, running back, that's crazy, this and that, and something about – receiver warp and taking quarterbacks this early. And quite honestly, I was between Bijan and Brees Hall. I mean, I wasn't even thinking any other position as much as I love receiver. Uh, um, there just, there just wasn't anything there for me. It, it was between Bijan and Brees Hall. And I, I ultimately went with Bijan. That, that was yeah. really it. Do, do you still, I, my question is today, do you still feel the same way? Do you still want Bijan right now over Brees? Yeah, I do. Okay. If I had to, if I had to in, insert twenty twenty three into dynasty rankings right now, I would have Bijan as my RB two and Brees as my RB three. Okay, I I would say too, just as a the, the innocent bystander in this, if I'm looking at just twenty two, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, as far as this draft goes, I I couldn't make a case for anybody outside of Brees or Bijan being the one on one. Now you can do the warp, you can do the wide receiver thing. I still want I still want one of those running backs, right? The way fantasy football goes, it's still by these elite stud running backs and they they're becoming scarcer by the minute. Every right. every single even the old trustees, the Jonathan Taylors of the world, right? We start to get, "Oh shit. <laughs> He's missing time." Or you know, Deion Jackson's in playing well. Matt Ryan's trash. The, whatever question marks you have, right? They start to get warts over time. So if you can get an elite one at a year one, year two, still in that threshold, I still want those because they're going to drive the entire market. So yeah, the Jamar Chases, the Jalen Waddles, those kind of guys are nice. Um, I I don't think you have an argument for anybody in the 23 class as far as the quarterbacks to go. Like Bryce and, and CJ are nice, but they still have some warts, some questions that we have yet to fill. Obviously, you're not going quarterback from the 2022 class. 2021, we have also seen, has some problems. Lance being down for injury, Fields underperforming, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones being out. So uh, I like Kenny Pickett, but <laughs> I'm not going to make an argument for him being the 101. I think it's clear as day. The 101 <laughs> is either Bijan or Brees Hall. Kenny Pickett made it all the way back to me, Mike, at the end of the second. So it was a long way for there Kenny Pickett. And, and But, JB, uh, take us through the whole 23 landscape, though, after Bijan. Yeah. So we got Jameer Gibbs. Obviously, I guess I, I guess not obviously, but pretty much to anyone I talked to, he's the RB2. And then you kind of got this tier three here with Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby. Blake Corum is making a case with his great season thus far. And then Devon Shane from Texas A&M. I mean, he his his stats aren't eye popping right now, but when he runs the forty, he runs a four two, whatever. Someone's going to bump him up the draft board. They're going to double, triple count that speed. So that there 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 is a good RB group here, other than Bijan and Jameer at the top. As far as guys that you would project, like if you're just looking at it right now as a whole, how many of those guys do you think are going to get that day one? early day two type draft capital like could you that you feel good about similar to like the quarterbacks right we got two guys at the top we can reasonably say there's probably going to be a third you know you don't have to go a uh, bold prediction or anything like that but just what you feel comfortable looking at them right now no for sure um so i'm looking at the um hit rates and all that for running backs right now and my threshold is really the third round so as long as they get day one day two capital 
I'm happy. Even even kind of a little bit into day day three with early round four, I'll be happy with. But you really want day one, day two. And from the 2023 class, I mean, we got obviously Bijan and Gibbs. I think those two are locked and loaded. I think Bijan's round one. Gibbs is going to be early second, if not late round one. I really think he's he's that type of weapon that teams can use in both receiving and uh, the rushing game. That he he's going to be a problem in the NFL. I really think so. And then, like I said, Zach Evans. I think Tank Bigsby, Blake Corum will get there, and then Ashane will get there just from his speed with that day two, day three, or sorry, day two capital. I I, I really don't know if Sean Tucker is going to get that as much as we really like him. I just, I just don't know what the NFL is going to think of a Syracuse running back, and I know that's, that's what everyone's saying right now, and th- they're kind of force-feeding him some receptions right now. He's at a 21.1 reception share for Syracuse, but a lot of that's around the line of scrimmage, even if it's behind, but are, I don't know. There, I, th- I think – go ahead. I was just going to say, are there some traits that hold him back, or is it really just the Big 12, um, the way they're utilizing him? that holds him back maybe in your mind from what the NFL might view him as? You know, I mean, he's he's their entire offense for Syracuse. So, I mean, he's got track speed. He's probably going to run in the four fours. I, I, I don't have any verified, and that's kind of just off the top of the head. But when you see him play, he's got game speed as well. I just I just don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of good running backs right now, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to force anyone to, to take him in round two or three. I just – Gotcha. I don't know. There's a lot of guys right now. He, and he, he still, um, as far as I know, he, he still projects to weigh in at that 210, 215 range, correct? And he's 510, so would I put him at that bell cow size or no? Yeah, uh, Syracuse has him at 510, 205, so. Okay, so maybe not. That's good en- nah, yeah, I mean, that's it's good enough, but obviously you want to see him a little heavier, like Bijan at 220. Um, Blake Corum, he's, he's even up at 210, even though he's only 5'8", so. He's a little stocky there, but okay. No, I mean he he's got he's got decent size. I I think it's requisite for for what's needed to be an NFL running back. Okay. I think that uh, so we got three quarterbacks we can lock in, and you just listed off a, a shit ton of running backs. But I'll put the number at five, right? Yeah, five that we fair. feel good about getting that requisite draft capital, and, and the requisite draft capital that makes them makes you want to draft them in the first round of your rookie drafts in a, in a 12 team yep. super flex. So shit, we're already up to eight guys, eight guys. And we've only gone through two positions. So let's move on to the wide receivers, right? Kind of an up and down year so far. Uh, for those of you who are big, big fans of Keishon Boutte, congratulations. He finally did something this last week. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigaba has been out, but looking at the wide receiver classes, who are some other guys outside of those two? It, it seems like everybody knows that those are the two guys for wide receiver in this class. Um, any others making an appearance or, or pushing their way into this territory of being a first-round NFL draft selection or an early second-round kind of guy? Yeah, so you said uh, Boutte and JSN, right? Yep. Okay, so yeah, um, the, the next one that comes to mind is Jordan Addison out of USC. He's actually our number one drafted receiver over um we're, we've been running rookie mocks since <laughs> since june over there but uh jordan addison is now our number one receiver for the 2023 class so his production thus far this year with caleb williams out there really bumping him up i know he had a little bit of a scare this weekend i really haven't seen anything about his injury but hopefully he's okay and gets gets back to health performing again but besides those those are those are pretty much the top three right there and then Going down, you got Quinton Johnston, a uh, big guy out of TCU. Um, just going to be a, a size speed freak, I think. His, his stats really don't show it. He kind of has big blow-up games and then a lot of games with duds. So it, it, that might be a product of the TCU offense as a whole. Um, I know a lot of guys really like him and even have him up at wide receiver one. So I guess we kind of just got to see with him, you know. What, yeah. what about a guy like uh, Josh Downs? What, where are you at with him currently? Yeah, so I think he's he'll be very draft capital dependent because I think he's going to be somewhat limited to his role in the NFL. Okay, um, kind of kind of a smaller guy. Um, put up huge numbers last year with Sam Howell. Really isn't having the greatest productive season this year. Um, I know he missed some time early in the year, 
But, I mean, that the North Carolina offense is kind of humming on all cylinders with uh, my guy Drake May at quarterback. But I, I think he's really going to be draft capital dependent. I think he'll, he will get day two. Okay. Um, him and Mar- Marvin Mims, kind of kind of smaller, more shifty guys, but they're, they're, they're pretty good. I think both of them will get day two capital for sure. And then the, the one currently, at least for me, uh, Mike, maybe if you're different, let us know. But the, the other one that's probably in the mix there um, – for a lot of people would be Jermaine Burton. Uh, wh- wh- where are you feeling about him? I don't really know. I really don't know. I mean, okay. that, that Alabama offense is kind of missing that number one receiver that we've seen the past. Right. Uh, God, what, 10 years going back to Amari Cooper, Julio Jones. Yep. But I mean, th- this was, this was really his year to break out after coming over from Georgia and he just really hasn't done it. Okay. Um, I, I watched a bit of the Tennessee Alabama game this past weekend I think he had a couple big catches. Might have had a touchdown here. Um, pulling it up real quick. Yeah, he – no, he only had two receptions for 49 yards this past week. So Yeah, you, you saw really, his two catches. They, I was going to say, I don't yeah, think he had a touchdown. Uh, yeah, those those must have been them. So, I mean, on the year, he only has 18 catches, just under 300 yards with three touchdowns. So, okay. like I said, this was really his year to break out, and it's just not happening. So, with that being said, then, we're, we're really looking at, right – Kayshawn Boutte, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, like you alluded to, Jordan Addison. And then it kind of gets, you know, dicey with Quentin Johnson and um, obviously, you know, uh, Marvin Mims, like you mentioned. So yep. we're, we're seeing the strength of this class is clearly not receiver at the moment. Now, obviously, things will could change throughout the rest of the year and what the combines and everything happens going into the draft there. But like at everything we know today and what you know with the analytics we're looking at four five receivers we kind of like and normally that number is a lot higher right yeah i mean what do we have five six receivers drafting the first round alone last year right i mean it, it's it definitely seems like a down class even even coming into the year i was kind of indifferent on the class just because it was oh jsn kashan Boutte, like yes awesome two big studs but then what Jordan Addison, I mean, people are going to probably compare him to Devonta Smith just because he's Slim Reaper 2.0. So you're going to see the BMI guys out again. Um, but like you even said after that, it kind of falls off pretty quickly. It's 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 not that deep of a receiver class. Right. I have a few honorable mentions, though, just some guys to quickly touch on, and then we'll move off of this. Uh, the The – the tight ends, we don't have to spend too much time on, but yeah. <laughs> tight ends, tight end. Uh, but a few of the wide receivers that are honorable mention that I just want to, I, I want to see if they continue to produce. And then I also want to see what the NFL thinks of them, right? The combine is going to be so huge. And it does a team fall in love and do we get a, a Jalen Rager type situation? Like these kind of guys that, that, you know, maybe have some good data points, but an NFL team really falls in love with like a Brandon Ayuk, that kind of, holy shit, he was a round one pick, that kind of thing. Uh, the two Tennessee receivers, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt. We just saw Jalen Hyatt yep. just have the greatest college football wide receiver performance outside of Jackson Smith and Jigba in the Rose Bowl last year was that I think open, I've ever man. seen, man. Man, five touchdowns is incredible. Um, Cedric Tillman, he, he's got the ankle injury, so it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, but he was playing really well before then. And then I hate to do it because I'm a Hawkeye fan, but Xavier Hutchinson, out of Iowa State has really just it seems like every time I see anything Iowa State again against Texas him playing well him doing things out on the field now a couple of these guys are seniors so again we get into the whole data points of of seniors and breakout age and and when you produce and that kind of thing but I want to see how the NFL kind of values them if these are kind of going to be guys that maybe go in that second round territory where we stand up that I don't think they're guys that are going to threaten for first round rookie start, you know, rookie draft picks, but these are kind of guys who are going to be around in the early second round. If the NFL also says so. So those are just a couple of guys I wanted to highlight. Let's, let's, let's move on to the tight end position, JB. Um, Sam Laporta tight end one. I kid, I kid, (laughs) but at tight ends, is there anybody out here? other than uh, Michael Mayer that that's standing out to you? I mean, yeah, Sam Laporta. He, <laughs> seriously, I mean, he's he's really the Iowa only stand tight up. End. Yeah, seriously. Let's go, tight end you. Those Iowa tight ends, exactly. No, I mean, he's, he's really the only other tight end that's, 
I mean, there's a guy out of Utah, Dalton Kincaid. Um, he's putting up huge numbers, but I think that's really just a product of their offense. I don't really think he's going to be on any NFL radars. But, I mean, Michael Mayer is going to be tight end one, probably round one draft capital. And I know our guy Scott Connor is really into the um, RAS scores, and he really doesn't think Mayer is going to run quick. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of going to rule him out of being drafted at all. So it'll be very interesting to see what type of athlete Mayer is. Um, one good point Scott also brought up is what if Mayer doesn't run? I mean, we, we, we see him on the film. Um, he he looks okay. He's really good at what he does, but is he athletic enough to be an NFL fantasy-relevant tight end? We we really don't know. Um, Man. But, but like, him like not, you said. Him not running would throw everything for a loop for Dynasty gamers. And this is, you know, Dynasty Degenerates, just to think about that. He's somebody that's been thought of very highly in the community for a while. Everything you see on tape and his numbers are going to look fine. We we need the athletic testing. So if he doesn't do that, that's going to throw a big loop for his value in Dynasty. Him not running would actually be, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking evilly, would be the greatest thing ever because yes. people would still make excuses for him. Um, just watch the tape. He's fast. <laughs> or whatever it may be. And those would be the guys who are going to pull the trigger on him at the the 109, the 110, the 111, mm-hmm. the 112. And you go ahead. You you first off putting your your chips into the table in the tight end position is always a dicey thing. We even us, you know, we, we talked about two years ago, you know, or last year, not drafting Kyle Pitts, not buying into the hype, and then we didn't buy into the hype until after we seen it. And now that we're bought into the Kyle Pitts, you regret it, right? You regret this. <laughs> Round one startup ADP that you paid. You regret paying the three first. You know, we, we still think it's going to be good in the future. But let's just say every week that goes by at the tight end position right now, we, we realize how dependent it is on having a good offense and having a good quarterback and all the things that have to go right for a tight end to be fantasy relevant. We're seeing it in Kyle Pitts. No matter how great of a prospect you are, how fast you run, how big you are, how tall you jump, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it's still a dicey prospect. So if anybody wants to go on a prospect that's not as good as Kyle Pitts was and wants to spend that first round rookie pick on because they want to make excuses about him not running or watch the tape and this kind of thing, by all means, you go for it. You have fun with it. I'll just go ahead and draft one of these wide receivers or one of these quarterbacks or or one of these 8 million running backs it feels like we have. Even then, I got three tight ends that – you can probably get a lot cheaper and it'll be more bang for your buck. And that's first, it's really hard to see where this guy's going to go, but I, I still believe Eric Gilbert has a lot of talent. He's obviously not playing very much if at all for Georgia right now, but if he go, if he goes to the draft runs tests very well, some team might take a chance on him in the second round. Same thing with Darnell Washington out of Georgia. I think he's going to be another athletic freak. He's getting a little more production than Gilbert, but both of them are blocked by the tight end one and all of Devy right now. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where those two go in the draft. From there, we can kind of accurately judge them. And like we were saying with Scott, see how their athletic testing goes and how, how, how that measures up to historic comps. And then the last one is Jaheim Bell out of South Carolina. Last year was awesome watching him finally get the ball, receptions, running people over. This year, it's like they don't even give him the ball. If, if, and if they do, it's a handoff. It's, it's really odd how they're using him. I think he's a very good athlete, a little undersized for the NFL tight end position, but he's another guy to keep your eye on. That sounds great, man. Uh, Adam, let's talk about it here just a little bit here. Yeah. All right, so we know the 23 class. We just kind of went through it here, right? 23 class is good. There's going to be a lot of dynasty gamers out there for whatever reason, whether you didn't get in early enough on the 23 or it's hard to buy 23 because people know the class is good. What do we do? What do we do moving forward? Well, I'm here to tell you, Adam, and I'll get your opinion first. Just you looking at it, 2024, right? We, We know from a... Dynasty gaming standpoint, our philosophy, the way we do it, 2024 picks are kind of out of sight, out of mind right now. 
Mm-hmm. People aren't thinking about them. If I can't get a 23 for a reasonable price, I'm usually making that pivot to 2024. When you look at it, are you doing some of the same things? Like, are you not paying that premium for 2023, if possible, on your rebuilds? Are you okay going to 2024, going multiple years out? So so for the Dynasty Degenerates, let me answer it this way. The, the answer simply would be yes. Um, obviously, cost-dependent, um, understanding how time affects value. Part of the Brees and Bijan thing, for any of you that are wondering or asking, obviously, Brees smashing right now for Dynasty teams this season weighs into the dynasty conversation where Bijan will not come until next year. Right. So there's a time aspect to keep in mind here. Here's the thing for me personally, Mike, this is where you'll see me in a rebuild do something crazy. And, um, I, I lean into it typically far more than anyone is willing to. And Mike, anywhere I'm rebuilding almost guaranteed. I'm at least multiple picks in 24 already have it. I- yeah, <laughs> so some in twenty five, <laughs> right? And, and well, and this is my point. I think a couple things here, right? One, twenty twenty three, I think is already hit close to a peak in the community or in dynasty value, right? Now, I'm not saying that it won't still accrue value and that still some of these picks, when the draft comes around, won't be very valuable. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't misconstrue what I'm telling you here with that. But what my point is. 2023 at this time, this moment is probably higher valued than almost any class we've ever had because of how much people are talking about the class, how much people are creating content, right? Even in 2020, which we knew was good, it wasn't this hyped. It really wasn't yet. So 2023 has already hit a very high value as far as just the generic pick 2023 first. You listen to trade shows, you listen to all this stuff all across, anywhere you can find them. 2023 picks are being valued higher than a lot of players that are giving you good points. So the point I'm making here is this. If you can truly get that type of 2023 value and 2024 is an afterthought because of the time, I'm taking the 24 plus, especially on rebuilders. You know, I'm taking the 24 plus because here's what I'm going to get into, Mike. 2024 is looking really dope. And then furthermore, if you're in a total rebuild, and this is what I did in all my rebuilds last year that were total rebuilds, take 2025 plus plus. Because we don't know what 2025 is hitting for yet, but if you get the plus plus, or if you can sell some of these older aging veterans for 25 first because someone's saying, that's three years down the road, I'm going to win now. Those are the type of savvy moves that Dynasty Degenerates should really take right now because it's going to pay off in a premium later because 24 looks great 24 you could make the case right now mike is every bit as good if not better than 23 and i'm telling you 25 it's hard to know because these kids are so young but there's a lot of exciting players in the 2025 class well 2024 we got the guy here to talk about it and just like machine gun kelly's diss track for eminem let's talk about it jb 2024, start us off with the quarterbacks. Who are the guys to know? Uh, I already know Drake Mays on there because he is a he is a god amongst men. He is everything I wanted Sam Howell to be, but probably getting draft capital. So 2024 quarterbacks, where are we at with the class so far? So I just want to add a little bit to what Adam was saying before we get into that, but if you're in any leagues with me, please turn this off right now. Um, I, I really appreciate that. Because we won't, we won't air it to all the JB people. Okay, good, good. I appreciate that. They, they, but, um, no one, no one, none of those guys, that, that's all AAF, JB. None of those people listen to this shit anyway, you know? <laughs> I, I know a couple of them do. That's why I'm telling them to stop it. But, but for what playing, it's worth, man. no, I, I, I know. But for what it's worth, I have been on this 2024 class truthfully for almost a year now. And I remember distinctively we were talking in the Heisman after I don't even know if it was a Saturday night or Sunday night, but Ray asked the question, what is, what do you guys think is like the number one buy right now? Like who are you going to buy this or that? And I, I had no problem saying go buy 2024 first round picks just because at the time we, we knew Travion Henderson, we knew Caleb Williams, Braylon Allen was starting to come into his own. We knew Quinn Ewers. 
we, we knew these guys were already talented. And like Adam said, 2023 has been hyped for at least three years now. These guys were in high school when this class is already getting traction. So if you could turn those 23 picks or whatever you were going to trade for those 23 picks into 24 plus, that was easily the move. And I think it's going to work out for you extremely, extremely well. And like I said, I've been doing this in all of my leagues so far. I've been trying my best in a couple of leagues. I have six, seven, eight, 24 first round picks and it's, I, I cannot wait, but oh, to get us started with, with the quarterbacks, like I said earlier, my guy, Drake may, I, I just, I, I really liked him as a prototypical kind of pocket passer with a little mobility. And I, I didn't see this year coming for him kind of, kind of my Braylon Allen story from last year, but he's really done incredible this year. And I wouldn't say he's leading the class, probably QB three right now, but obviously you got Caleb Williams out at USC, Quinn Ewers at Texas. Um, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan and Jackson Dart at Ole Miss really coming into his own kind of these last couple weeks really doing well. But that's that's five quarterbacks where we were kind of saying, okay, we got two solid ones, maybe a third for round one draft capital for 23. I mean, right now I'm looking at four, four quarterbacks for 24 that probably locked and loaded with May, Williams, McCarthy, and Ewers. Wow. Already too. And, yeah. and, and, and well, some of these too, like J.J. McCarthy, we, uh, we're we just getting to see him be a full-time starter for the first time. Drake May be a full-time starter for the first time. Quinn Ewers being a full-time starter for the first time. We kind of knew about Caleb Williams, and we got to see Jackson Dart last year. So to see these guys come in and in their first year already come out and produce, that's what's so special. The, the Caleb Williams thing, the, the guy just balls the fuck out, right? It, it doesn't matter. Oklahoma – USC, change of scenery, doesn't matter. Change of weapons, he doesn't care. Coming out and playing now for two years. Some of these guys, you know, I I don't want to wish it on them because we always want all the fantasy producers that we can ever get, all the quarterbacks that we can ever get with the round one draft capital. It'll be interesting to see if they continue this the next year when they're draft eligible and continue to keep up the play and don't have one of these fall-offs like a expensive a Rattler, a DJU, like things that we've seen in the past. So I'm interested to see what happens with some of these guys. But so far with what we know, to already have two years out, four quarterbacks that you're looking at going, I feel good about this guy, and I feel good about this guy, and I feel good about this guy, that is a great foundation and a great base to start with. Well, we didn't we didn't have this for 2023, right? We didn't have the four quarterbacks where we felt good about it. We had two, and we've had two for the longest time, and we still have two that we feel really good about, and we've been searching and looking for that third, that possibly the fourth. So to already have four is an incredible head start on most draft classes. Yeah, I mean, well, and you look at last summer, uh, DJ, you, you already alluded to Mike, was in the conversation, and then as he falls out, right, changes things. And, and I think – the reason this is so important, too, to circle back to what I was talking about earlier, and you talk about the quarterback landscape, right? Some older guys. We're, we're needing quarterback to really come in and, and rejuvenate the whole quarterback landscape. And, and what's the reality? 22 gave you Kenny Pickett, and for the most part, people don't even care about Kenny Pickett, right? Yeah. 23, we're talking about right now. This is part of it, it, it's a future cast, future looking conversation. But if if only the floor hits in twenty three, we're talking about two guys. JB alluded to we're probably going to get three. Like even if we get three, you know how desperate we're still going to be in twenty twenty four as an NFL to have quarterbacks. And if yeah. you're looking at this many kids right now that project really good, how important this class could be to shape Superflex. I mean, you talk about guys like Quinn Ewers and Caleb Williams. I mean, man, this class, and that's not even getting into some of the other studs in this class, right? That's just the quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the other position, the other position that drives dynasty and drives fantasy football, the running back position. How's the running back class look, JB? Are there some studs in there? I know Adam's shaking his head yes, because he's got one that goes to his school. And, and you got one that uh, you called uh, last year over the summer. So <laughs> I already know of two guys, but fill the people in. What's the running back situation look like in 2024? Yeah, so I think the 24 running back class is probably 
a little less than 23. Let's let's just say that. I think it's very comparable, um, but it is a little little shaky. I mean, we we were naming six, seven guys for 23. 24, I'm really only comfortable with five-ish right now. But the names, Travion Henderson, Braylon Allen, you just alluded to both of those with both Adam and my guys. And then Raheem Sanders out of Arkansas is quickly shooting up boards. Um, goes by the name of Rocket, so makes sense there. And then we got two more, Michigan, Donovan Edwards. Um, I, this is going to sound like a really weird comp, um, giving the credit to Ray for this one. Really hit the nail on the head with the play style, not necessarily talent or what he thinks it's going to be, but the play style. He thinks Donovan Edwards plays just like DeAndre Swift. I mean, as a freshman, they, they really weren't running him at all. They were using him as a pass-catching weapon out wide, down the field, and as a, as a running back. So it was awesome to see that as a freshman this year, getting a lot more carries. Obviously, we talked about Blake Corum there. He's getting the bulk of the work, but when Edwards is healthy and in there, he's doing pretty well. And then lastly, um, Clemson's Will Shipley. Um, he's pretty much their entire running back offense over there, catching the ball in the backfield here and there and making plays in the running game. And I, th- I think that really wraps up this 24 running back class. The minute you say DeAndre Swift for a comp, my ears perk up. And I know we talked about this, it feels like weeks ago, but I also, I didn't know Ray had that comp for him. And, and when you brought that up, I'm like, shit, man, that's the one I had. It's just kind of the way he moves, the way he's used, the way he plays. And then wearing number seven also helps. <laughs> I, just, I think of sure. the number seven, and I'm just like, oh, shit, that's DeAndre Swift of Georgia right there. That's the guy he's I, back again. It definitely helps, yeah. That makes sense. This yeah. running back class looks – looks. I, I want to say there's not a lot of those ancillary guys where we think have a chance to rise. Like I don't see it in the class yet. Um, maybe we'll have some breakouts next year that, that kind of go like, oh, yeah, you know, we saw some stuff and it's a slow progression. But the guys at the top do get you excited. Like as long as they don't have a big fall off from their play, you can project all of those guys, I think, reasonably for that that draft capital that we crave as long as they don't have a fall off or injury concerns or anything like that. So it well, feels a, a little more top heavy than 2023, but maybe not as deep. But that is also one of the joys of going to the 24 class if you're, if you're investing in that draft capital is the fact that you do have another full year, a year and a half at this point to, to kind of see if you get some of these guys who emerge a little bit later. Well, and that's where I, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but when you start thinking about what the future looks like, right? And I think this is where there's probably a blend, a, a true blend of what, we talked about and missed on here, right? And the reality is Mike and I have been big running back proponents, but the reality is we were chasing ones that had warts or had injuries or had issues this year, right? That the landscape wasn't great. That would be our flaw. I don't think that when you look at this though, Mike, when you look at this JP, Dynasty Degenerates, when you think about this, that running back's necessarily dead. I mean, we're talking about a lot of running backs coming in here to help boost up the resurgence. Now, are they going to be seeing snap shares of the nine the nineteen nineties and early two thousands? Probably not. Maybe some of them. You know, I mean, Saquon Barkley's still getting it. Bijan Robinson could. Brees is starting to break away from the backfield. But whether that's the case or not, we're looking at a bunch of running backs. And I think the reality is this: where Scott's approach is probably lined up to be dynamite, as you're invested in the receivers right now, right? And that's what's winning. And then if you can set yourself up with draft capital in these two classes. Man, you're looking at possibly the golden ticket because when you look at the classes, right? And, and I think, Mike, you hit it on the head. 24, I think, to me, like, Bijan is still the asset in the running back groups that I want, by and large. But when you took, if you take that out of the equation and you just go 23 and 24, I think if you looked at a Debbie Mock, the 24s are going to start to rise ahead of some of these other 23 guys. And I think the reality is the 24 class has some of these top five guys that could really break up this whole thing. Uh, JB, I saw you put your hand up. I'm, I'm going to pass it to you in a second. And this is the thing. When I think about that, right, if the 22, Kenneth Walker starting to emerge, Brees Hall starting to emerge, the 23 class comes in and hits, and then you got all those 24 guys to backfill, running back could be looking very good um, for the near future. But JB, what do you got, buddy? 
Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. A lot of these 20 guy, 23 guys are falling in our mocks. Excuse me. So right now, Keishan Boutte has fallen six spots. Anthony Richardson has fallen almost 11 spots. Uh, Sean Tucker's almost fallen 11 spots. Tank Bigsby's fallen 16 spots. And the 24 guys are the ones pushing them down. Yeah, Quinn Ewer is going up nine spots. Marvin Harrison, who he, who we will talk about, going up eight spots. Drake May, up almost nine spots. Another guy, Brock Bowers, up eight spots. Raheem Sanders, up 17 spots. Emeka Ebuka, up nine spots. And J.J. McCarthy, up almost 11 spots. So these, these 24 guys are legitimately replacing these 23 guys in our mocks right now. Right. And, and that's where... That's where I think, see, JB, I'm glad you drew that out for us because to get back to Mike's point about the 23 and 24 thing, 23 is basically, by and large, like as a market standpoint, at, at, a, at a, a spot that's hard to really grow much in value. Will it some? Sure. It always does. All picks do. But if you were able to pivot right now, before this becomes commonplace knowledge to 24 plus, you're just winning. You are just winning. Now you are taking time away. So if you're looking at considerably being a stud team next year, obviously you have to be a little more careful about that. But if you're looking at the dynasty landscape as a whole, like the the 23 class hype, I think honestly, because it's been so hyped up because 22 was supposedly bad. I think it's overshadowed the fact that 24 could be better. Honestly, it very well could be better. And I think you're probably going to run out of time here soon when playoff teams are certain and rebuilders are looking at what they need to do with how available content's going to be to where 24 becomes like this really nice buy because it's pushed out so far. I love it. I love it, man. JB, touch on the wide receivers for 2024. You you already touched about Marvin Harrison. Uh, surprise, surprise. Another Another fucking Ohio State wide receiver at the top. Hold on, hold on, Mike. Go ahead. The, the (laughs) Ohio State. Ohio State. He's got a running mate that's also rising up boards, right, and surprising. I know I got him in a a C2C league, and I'm pretty pretty impressed with myself that I picked that one because I'm a dummy. But (laughs) touch on the the Ohio State wide receivers and anybody else that's that's kind of caught your attention from the wide receiver position for 2024. Yeah, well, the number one Debbie receiver to me, and I noticed Ray also moved him up, but that's Marvin Harrison Jr. This guy has literally everything you want in a receiver. He's 6'4", 205, catches ev- literally everything you throw his way. I, 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 don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, right now he's just over three yards per team pass attempt, which is awesome for a sophomore. Um, just about at 30% for both. Weighted dominator rating and dominator rating, and then has a twenty-five percent reception share. I mean, he's <clears throat> literally everything you want right now. He's the number me, one for this class and all of Devi. Let me ask you a little bit about it, and maybe I'm the only one. And and I I don't know. I have this penchant for throwing comps out, just guys that they remind me of. But doesn't he give off a little bit of T. Higgins to anybody else? Like just that that size, that body control, the catch radius, but he feels faster. He feels like a faster T Higgins. Now T did a fabulous job of just using what he's got. And he always seemed to get open downfield at Clemson, like always hit on deep balls. And it wasn't always contested catches, sometimes being wide open. But Marvin Harrison just kind of feels with that frame, with his ability to catch, use his body, but just feels a little bit faster. Like he just kind of has everything that you want. And I, I fucking love T Higgins. So if we can get another one in 2024, I'll be over the moon. Yeah, that was that's an incredible comp. I didn't even really think of that. I was, I, I really don't want, didn't know what to comp him. Like I said, I don't really do comps, but that's that's awesome. No, I mean if he can be a T Higgins, I mean I know you guys have been on the T Higgins bandwagon. I shouldn't say bandwagon, but you guys have been hyping him up. His top six receiver earlier than anyone I know. So that's perfect there. Well, I like um, it. Other yeah, no other receivers for this class. Um, Another Ohio State guy, Emeka Ibuka, five-star prospect, finally getting some playing time this year and doing a lot with it. Um, obviously, JSN ha- hasn't been playing this year, but Ibuka has really stepped up. Like I said, Harrison was just over three yards per team pass attempt. Ibuka's up at 3.72 yards per team pass attempt. So he is just 
he's doing even better. I mean, I think he's playing more of a slot role, smaller receiver. Um, not not to take anything away, he's six one, two hundred five, so he's not small by any means. But he's putting up numbers as well. And I mean, it, him and Texas Xavier Worthy are probably two and three right now. I know Xavier Worthy had a record-setting freshman season um, with kind of no names thrown in the ball, so uh, kind of taking a little bit of a step back this year. But that's not really an indictment to him it's just because he did so well last year and now texas has a lot of other weapons including a guy we'll talk about shortly but i mean those two those two right there kind of make up that tier two for me um you got other guys like troy franklin out of oregon and then mario williams from usc putting up numbers as well and uh last one malik neighbors at lsu another guy um lsu wide receiver you so um that's that's six receivers right now that i think are very comparable especially those three top guys to the three quote-unquote top-tier guys for 2023. A little bit more depth in that second and third tier, so very comparable class. And like I said, Harrison, wide receiver one in all of college right now, so a little bit of an edge to 24 for the receiver position. Well, I think, I think JB, that's what's that's what I think is the, the – should be some something to take away here because when you start digging into this – this is not to say 23 is still not a great class. Um, may, it, may it be a little overhyped? Sure. Possible. Because it was so damn hyped, right? But I think what's being missed is 24, for what we project, right? What, what, what you have in the analytics, it offers the quarterbacks, but deeper. It doesn't offer the depth at running back, but it may offer more studs. And it has a deeper receiver class. Like if you told, like if you think about that, right? And and when you think about the narratives, like think about what's going on right now. What's being pushed is what wide receivers, even though it's a deeper position, they matter more in warp. And the running backs, when you think about the running backs, right? What happens? The running backs that we want are the top guys, and that's it. What does that all say? That says twenty four. That says twenty twenty four, every which fucking way. And I think what that's a, such an edge, and I think that's one of the things I think you got to take away from this here. If you're a contender, don't sell 2023 first picks light. That's not what I'm telling you to do. But if you can get value before it becomes real in the whole space that 24 could be better than 23, your window to do that's probably getting small. And, and, and everything we, th- we see about 24, man, this class could honestly be the deepest class we've seen in, in three to four years. Like it, it, it has, cause, cause we still don't even know, right? These are all sophomores. Well, we still great, don't even man. know. Let, let, let's talk about the cherry on top of the 2024 class. And, and we touched on tight ends in 2023 and it was kind of Michael Mayer. And then me with my Sam Laporta hype. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> but let's talk on the 2024 class. A couple of guys I don't think we're going to have Scott Connor Raz concerns about. At least the two guys at the top. JB, take it away. The cherry on top of the 2024 class, the tight ends. Yeah, so I know you and I talked about this uh, a little while ago about how this tight end class is going to be quote-unquote sneaky good. Um, right there now go. I got five, five guys I really like. And just just one quick thing as we were comparing 23 to 24, at least for me, top 24 quarterback, Caleb Williams, is better than both the 2023 guys. So at the top, edge 24 there. Running backs, still Bijan over Travion. Receiver, like I just said, Harrison over all the 23 guys. And then lastly for a tight end, Brock Bowers out of Georgia, probably put up the best freshman tight end season ever. I mean, I was looking at it probably a couple months ago and his tight end season, his freshman year tight end season, outpaced Kyle Pitts's junior season. I mean, that's oh, wow. that's that's incredible. Every, everything he did was efficient. The volume was there. He's he's fast. I mean, he's getting carries where he's running for 60, 70 yards scoring touchdowns. It's like, what what even is this guy? I mean, he's he's incredible. He is the tight end one of all of college right now, tight end one of this class, obviously, but it doesn't stop there. I mean, we got one guy out of Texas, a little bit of bias here, but not really. I mean, he came into Texas as an athlete, didn't know whether they were going to play him at tight end or defensive end, but Jatavian Sanders is doing incredible this year. He, he looks leading, great, man. Yeah, he, he's leading the entire class with yards per team pass attempt up at 1.59, a 
Bowers is right behind him at 1.5, so slight edge there. But he's also outpacing Bowers in reception share, weighted dominator rating, and dominator rating. So he he really is taking that production away from Worthy, like I was saying earlier. The, the emergence of Sanders is really uplifting the Texas offense and really giving Ewers a lot of weapons to throw to. I mean, we talked about a lot of Texas guys right now, and defenses really don't know what to do. I mean, they they may, when Ewers was in there, I, I'm still going to stand by it. Texas was going to beat Bama. I mean, they they For were sure. they were te- they were tearing them up. It Ewers looked, had 150 it yards. That way. Yeah, it 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 was just awesome to watch. And even playing OSU, and I, obviously I was super hyped and all that, and they were playing a backup quarterback. But Ewers was doing whatever he wanted, which wh- whatever weapon he wanted to throw to, and. It was fun. All right, enough of Texas. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> back to the 24 class. Um, so we got three other tight ends that I like here. Gavin Bartholomew out of Pitt. Bryson Nesbitt out of North Carolina. And then another guy that really isn't performing the greatest right now, but he's going to be a stud athlete, and I really think he's going to end up being the tight end three in this class, and that's Michael Trigg out of Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, oh. we got five, five guys in this class, and for 23, I mean, we had Mayer – Kind of some other guys we kind of liked a little bit here, a little bit there. But this class, like I said, there's five tight ends that legitimately could be day one, day two prospects. And if they they do hit day one, day two prospects, right? Uh, I think Bowers and Sanders are the guys that you kind of keep in mind as potential first-round rookie picks. Right. And then anything else that you get from these other guys, if they fill out the second round and provide more depth to the class – that sets you up for such a great where you're getting Adam, you talked about the the 23 plus. Well, if that plus is their second as well, right? You're yeah. looking at guys that you're going to want to draft right. in the second round. You may miss out on a Brock Bowers because you're taking a Marvin Harrison or a Braylon Allen or one of these quarterbacks in the first round. You're going to be very happy if at the 206, you're taking a, a Michael Trigg. Uh, Gavin Bartholomew or Bryson Nesbitt, one of these type of players and, and going like, I'm just going to roll with the value, right? I'm going to invest in the premium positions early. And then, you know, these tight ends, man, they're sneaky good. And in the second round, this is exactly the kind of person that I want to invest my my draft capital in. So this class, Adam, you've touched on so much from a dynasty strategy standpoint that I don't think I have anything left to say, man. You did such a good job about leveraging the fact that 23 is is damn near at this peak right we're still going to have the rise when we have nothing to talk about but but combine and you know pro days this kind of thing there's not nfl action you're still going to have that rise where people get the rookie fever but right now it's still a great time because nobody's talking about 24 nobody's looking ahead and seeing what 24 can get and if you can go out and you can make that investment, even if you're in a rebuilder for this year, unless your goal is to compete next year and leverage that draft capital you have for 23, if you're comfortable being middle of the road or, or rebuilding or punting for one more year, pivoting to 24 and getting the comparable plus, which at this point is fairly significant, while it's in the back of people's minds and they're not really thinking about it before they listen to a podcast like this and more and more people start talking about it, Ray starts doing film breakdowns of all these 24 guys, you're setting yourself up to just absolutely smash and dominate your leagues in the future years. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you talk about the four Ds, right, Mike, um, you know, you know, dealing in, in diligence here, I, I think are what actually hits because we're not to drafting yet. Right, like the what we know today is not to draft in twenty three, and it's certainly not to draft in twenty four. But when you think about the dealing and the diligence aspect, right? Diligence tells you you look at the numbers JB puts for us, right, at Destination Devi. Take advantage of it if you are a patron. Like this information, you can get a hold of every month, and you can watch and see this, see this evolvement. And when twenty four is now a value, I think about how you're going to do this, right? So, so from the dealing aspect. Obviously, your league, knowing your league mates, knowing your league settings obviously plays a part. But if you're in one of these leagues where 23, because it's closer, has been moved a little more and you have and you have some of these picks, but 24 is not one of the – everybody basically still has their 24 picks. You target some of these contenders that have aging assets, right? They're trying to compete. They're trying to win now. You give them this 23 pick, which they think is, holy shit. I get a 23 pick. 
right? Like that's something that they can't even imagine getting on their contending aging team. But you target their 24 first, 24 second, maybe even a little plus. You kill that deal because now, now you have a deeper class. You get the additional asset and you have what? The added big time advantage of what if in a year and a half from now, their team really is old and isn't that good. You may have 4D'd the hell out of that. So just some things to take away. Think about Dynasty Degenerates. Um, listen, the reality is both these classes look great. But if you have the ability to pivot to 24+, plus, the, this is the other thing, too, to think about. JB is helping us put this information ahead. If you're watching college football, you're seeing this. But as this becomes commonplace, 24 is going to get hype. So even if you're, you're going to compete next year, think about it this way. 24 first, 24 second, and maybe even a small plus. When 24 gets hype, you could move that for mountains, right? Like think about what 23 was worth last year. You could basically trade a 22 late first for, you'd have to add a plus to that to get to 23. Like what if 24 gets that hype too? And you're ahead of the curve telling you, man, 24 is the way to go. Not saying to just dodge 23. It's still a great class, but Get 24 before it becomes the cool thing to do. Awesome, man. JB, you got any final thoughts before we bounce out of here? 23, 24 prospects that you're watching? No, I mean, I could I could talk to you guys about these two classes the rest of the night, but we, we got to get some sleep at some point, you know. But no, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and this is, this is a blast. Love talking to both of you guys all the time and love picking your guys' brains about strategy. Love your podcast. Listen to it. So awesome. Happy to be on here. Well, thank you so much for popping on. And for those of you listening, if you want more of JB, like we, we try to get him on all the time, but he's a human being. He's got a life. <laughs> he's got a family. He's got time commitments. Can't always get him on all the time. He is a great member. Very smart. I love having you on JB. But if you want more of him, make sure you're checking out the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. And, and you get access appropriate to whatever level you sign up to. But I'm just telling you, just go for the top. Whatever's available, try to go for the top because this analytic database, these these beautiful, beautiful sheets that I'm looking at with all of the analytical data broken down and even color-coded for idiots like me is so incredibly helpful and it gets you ahead of the game. But if you can't join the Patreon, like I said before, go down in the description, sign up for the new l- newsletter. JB is also putting great content on the newsletter for free because he's crazy and Ray lets him do it. So <laughs> go down and sign up for the newsletter. Adam, that's all I got, buddy. Take us home. Yes, sir. JB, thanks for joining us, man. Sorry to keep you up so late. Uh, Dynasty Degenerates, we kept them up late. So make sure you're tapped into the newsletter, tapped into this this podcast, and you apply it to yourself and your leagues. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it for us. We're going to bounce out of here. Thank you again, JB. And we will see you all same time, same place next week. Peace. 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 Peace.